0: Amen. All right, guys, uh, if you notice on the top of your handout there, kind of the seventh, if we would, character uh, quality that we want to talk about this morning, which, again, I think is kind of one of these foundational components uh, to all of us trying to to man up and to embrace the manhood that God intends for us rather than the picture that the world gives to us of what it means to be a man uh, is this subject this morning I want to address of honor and I think that a major component again to building a, a stable and an inspired course and that's the heart behind this building into you guys lives as young men the ability to have a stable and an inspired course is developing the quality of being a man of honor and so that's what I want to kind of spend our time talking a little bit about this morning. When you look up the The idea or the the word honor, two things uh, come up. One is having high respect or great esteem due to either someone's importance or to something's importance. So if someone is important or if something is important, we should show high respect and great esteem towards that. That's one idea of honor. And the other idea of honor is just an adherence to what's right. So it's When you know there's a standard of proper conduct or an appropriate way to behave or conduct yourself, uh, that's also the same idea of honor, to be able to to demonstrate honor. So the idea here is we want to both be a man of honor and how we conduct ourselves uh, in an honorable way. And we want to show proper honor where we should, where things are important. So for example, obviously things like showing honor towards God, uh, showing honor towards those in authority, showing honor towards women, towards ladies. Again, this is kind of that idea of showing honor where honor is appropriate. And as we talk about the subject of honor this morning, if I can kind of put another word in your head, sort of a key word, I would say connected to that, a key word would be the word respect. So when you think of honor at the same time, think of that word respect, that we should be men of honor. It also means that we should be men of respect uh, and that we should be people who show honor and we should be people who are, as men, respectful, showing appropriate respect towards God, towards women, towards those in authority, this kind of idea. If you notice the first verse I put in your hand out there kind of conveys this idea in Romans chapter 13 verse 7 notice there it says that God commands us to give to everyone what you owe them respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed so when we talk about this idea of something being owed what kind of picture does that convey in your mind if you owe someone something what what does that mean Think from a work perspective, a bill perspective. What, what does that mean if you owe someone something? In You're in, in debt. debt. Okay. Dang, well, Let's think of it. Did for you. Well, let's think of it from this perspective. Any of you guys working yet? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So ima, ima, imagine, imagine yeah. if, imagine if you worked your job, if you worked your job and you got no paycheck, w- would that be appropriate? <laughs> would would you be happy about that? No, nobody would be, right? Because when you work, you're what? You're owed a salary, or you're owed a payment. So that's the idea. It's appropriate for somebody to give to you what they owe you. So it's the right thing to do. It's a proper thing. It's an appropriate thing. And notice what the Bible's saying here. God commands us that we should give to everyone what we owe them. Now we're not talking about finances here, but let me just for a moment, you know, say this in connection to it, because in that same chapter, it kind of conveys the same idea regarding even paying taxes. It says, you know, taxes to whom taxes in this actual same Bible passage, not the one in front of us. But the idea there is that when we owe someone something financially, there's no excuse, it's appropriate to pay them, right? So if we create debt, it is appropriate, it's proper to pay our debts. We shouldn't be running up financial debt and then not paying people what we owe them. We shouldn't not pay our bills when someday we have bills or, you know, financial obligations. It's the right thing to do, just like it's the right thing to pay an employee for their work. Well, the Bible's saying that we should give to everyone what we owe them. And then notice, he says this is some of what we owe, not just money sometimes, but respect to whom respect is owed. So the Bible says that we have a debt or an obligation towards certain people to pay them respect and honor to whom honor is owed. So some people, they deserve our honor. Uh, It's appropriate to give to them respect, and God wants us to know that and to have that attitude. And I think that's really, really important, guys, because we live in a day and generation where we watch stuff going on and we see the way people behave in society and what's promoted through social media. And I can tell you one thing that really makes me sad uh, is it seems like there's a lot of very disrespectful people. Would you agree with me on that? Mm -hmm. That there's a lot of people that in their arrogancy and in their ignorance and for just some crazy reason to want to push some agenda or idea, they're very, very disrespectful. And they don't honor things appropriately. They don't honor people appropriately. And God says as his men that we should give to everyone what we owe them, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So certain people, from God's perspective, deserve our respect. And we should give them that honor. We should render that respect to them. We should also do what's honorable and not do what's dishonorable. So we don't want to be guilty of doing what's disrespectful because that's really somewhat disgraceful. That displeases God more than it's just wrong. So again, though not obviously a Christian organization, at the same uh, you know, way, I would also say probably one of the highly respected branches of military, we just talked about this morning right before our, our study began here, rightly so, probably one of the highly respected branches of military is the Marine Corps. Right I think we should all respect any branch of military, uh, quite honestly i 'll just share my personal opinion. It makes me sick when I see people not you know standing for the national anthem and showing any disrespect towards those who are willing to go and you know put their lives at risk and enter into combat and do things to defend our country. i think it 's absolutely despicable uh, when people dishonor and disregard those who are serving in our armed forces. but I think a highly respected branch of the military is the Marine Corps. And the core values of the Marine Corps, if you go on their website, I actually did, they have three core values on their website. Their three core values, interestingly enough, are honor, courage, and commitment. So in that branch of the military, those are those three core values, honor, courage, and commitment. And on their website, it says this. And if you become one of us, that's a Marine, then these will be the values you will live by and fight with as well. They are the building blocks that will aid you in making the right decisions at the right time, both on the battlefield and in our nation's communities. So interesting. They say these three core values, honor, courage, and commitment, will be the building blocks to a Marine's life that make them the men that they are and also help them to make right decisions at the right time, both on the battlefield and just generally. So again, that core value of honor. And when you then look further under the core value of honor, and I put this in your your handout there, Here, look at this paragraph that they have on their website about explaining honor to a degree. So the core value of honor. says here, Honor guides Marines to exemplify the ultimate in ethical and moral behavior. Never lie, never cheat, never steal. Abide by an uncompromising code of integrity, respect, human dignity, and respect for others. Honor compels Marines to act responsibly, to fulfill our obligations, and to hold ourselves and others accountable for every action. I think that's a great paragraph there, and and I want to use that as analogy to say this: if honor guides soldiers as a way of operating in the U.S. Marine Corps and on the battlefield, how much more ought that value of honor govern and guide the way that we conduct ourselves, as what the Bible says, good soldiers of Jesus Christ. So in our thinking and our perspective. If honor is a core value for them and it guides them, I think certainly it should be a core value that guides our life as men that we would let it direct us. So what I want to do is kind of in the remainder of our time, just touch upon a few areas where God's word specifically tells us and guides us and directs us to show honor. Uh, seven things, and I kind of put some verses there just to support that, but i just going kind to of, kind of go through seven areas or seven individuals or people groups, if you would, that God says, look, I want you to show honor to these particular individuals because of their importance. And the first and foremost one, which is an area where we should show honor and exhibit respect towards someone, which is pretty much the obvious, is we should show honor and respect toward whom? Toward God, right? Absolutely. In fact, can you read, the, the, you have 1 Samuel 2.30, I believe, in your notes there. Can you just read that simple but nice and loud for us? The Lord declares, those who honor me, I will honor Right. God says to us very clearly, if you, and this is a very interesting thing, but God says, if you honor me, then I'll honor you as a person in your life. So let me ask this question this morning. What does life look like to live in a way to honor God? No right or wrong answer. You guys give me an idea or two. What what would it look like to live a life that honors God, that honors the Lord? What comes to your mind? If somebody said to you, how do I honor the Lord? How do I do that? What What would you give to him as counsel? Well, try and live by his laws on a daily basis. Okay, fantastic. So live by the word of God, right? Because that's God's way. That's God's will. It's God's instruction to live by that. It's almost like living by the, the code of conduct in the book of honor, right? Right? That's very great. Absolutely. was going to say uh, love and respect people. What, why would you say love and respect people? Because that's the second greatest commandment. Fantastic, right? Because that's something that matters to God, right? God so, says love God, and then the second thing is love. Love people. Absolutely. So in some ways, we could fairly say, and maybe we can take that as a way to kind of transition and move forward— One of the best ways we can honor God is to actually utilize his word, what you're referring to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then the second commandment Jesus said is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if we focus on loving God with all of our being, in our heart, in our soul, with our mindset, and the way that we think, with using the strength of our life to honor God, and then we focus on loving people and honoring them, we're, we're going to be on a really good track. So as we make God important and special, remember what I said at the beginning, the definition of honor was giving proper respect to people because they're do that, because they're special or important. So the idea is here is the way that we honor God is we see God for who he is, incredibly special, <laughs> extremely important. As we make God important and we seek to honor the Lord by the way that we live, by the decisions we make, God promises as a reward that he will honor us in different ways. So I don't know about you, but I would prefer to have God honoring my life, doing things in my life that are going to honor me, to bless me, to help me, doing those special things that are needed and helpful. And again, the Bible in many, many places indicates that to us. Jesus said himself in John five twenty three. it's in your notes that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus commands us to honor him and to honor the father. And then some of these other verses just indicate that same reality. 1 Timothy 1:17 says now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And those other verses that I put in there Revelation 4 and Revelation 19 are verses where you'll notice It tells us that around the throne of God in heaven, people are speaking and praising God, saying you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Now, that's a really insightful thing. That tells me this, that in heaven, where people are no longer living in bodies of flesh like we're in right now, and these bodies are sinful and they're weak. And that's why sometimes we're selfish and we make mistakes and we do things that we shouldn't do. Uh, And we can even be disrespectful, not only towards people, but we can be disrespectful towards God and dishonor God, that when we get to heaven and you're in that perfect realm and you have a glorified body, one of the things that you will recognize constantly is how worthy God is of being honored, of being respected, because around the throne of God, they're giving to him continual honor, which shows me that should be what I'm aspiring towards that I should live a life where my foremost concern, my primary desire is, you know what, above all else, my first priority every day is to try and honor God. From the moment I get out of bed in the morning until the moment I lay back down to go to sleep at night, my primary goal is, Lord, help me to honor you today. In what I do, what I don't do, and the way that I interact with people, and in all things, Lord, help me to honor you and to bring glory to you. So that's an obvious one. The Lord says, honor me and I'll honor you. Here's a second area where the Bible specifically commands that we should exercise honor. And that's this area is honoring our parents. And I put two verses there where God specifically says that. Can somebody read for me Exodus 20 verse 12? Exodus 20 verse 12. Somebody read that one. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Right. And there's Exodus chapter 20. And does anybody know what's specifically in Exodus chapter 20? The t- what is it? <laughs> <I think laughs> Through the arm I got to interpret it. It was like I speaking in tongues or something. Yeah, The Ten Commandments, right? So what we call the top ten, right? The Bible's top ten, the ten commandments given to us there, one of the things that God gives to us there is, is honor your father and your mother. And Interestingly enough, uh, it, it's on the top end of the commandments that speak about the way that we relate to one another as people. The, the first uh, four of the Ten Commandments are about honoring God directly, you know, having no other gods before him, things of that nature. And then when you get to the second half of the Ten Commandments, the second half of the law, Then it's, you know, do not steal, do not murder. Again, these ideas there of of the way we treat people. And the top one in that list there is showing honor towards our parents. And again, that can happen in many different ways. Again, just the idea there is that despite the dynamic and even the relationship, that because of who they are, God asks us to render a degree of honor towards them, a degree of respect. Uh, And sometimes that's easy, Sometimes that may be a little bit more challenging, but the idea is, is we may not even necessarily be honoring them because of who they are or how they treat us or behave towards us as a person. That's, that's irrelevant. The idea is that because of who they are in the position they hold in my life, I should at least give proper honor to them. I should at least show a degree of respect to them that they, they, they're owed that, the idea is. And that's repeated in the New Testament and expanded in other ways. He says Ephesians 6 there in your notes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? Right. So he just says, it's not a questionable thing. It's a right thing to do. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You notice that God attaches to honoring our parents, this idea of life going well with us. God says to the degree that you seek to honor your parents he says, life will go well for you. It will go better for you. Now, the opposite can be said true. To the degree that a person dishonors their parents, right, becomes disrespectful towards their parents' authority and just kind of you know dismisses that and seeks to be rebellious or disrespectful at times, God says, you're just going to make your life more difficult. It's not only wrong, you're just going to make life more difficult. And, and you know, this is a unique stage of life for you guys because you're kind of transitioning from You know, childhood into adulthood, and it's like you're just getting ready to cross the finish line, right? So I I look at parenting like this. I have three adult daughters, and they're all adults now. But when when kids are first born, when my kids were first born, it was all about complete control. It was about authority. When they're one years old and two years old, I'm not going to reason with them. You don't reason with a toddler just like you don't reason with a terrorist, right? So you you don't reason with a two-year-old. You take control. You're in authority. So when a child is young, it's about complete authority and control. They don't get options. They don't get choices. But then as life progresses and they start understanding more and they can talk, then you work through a process where it goes from complete control to ultimately giving to them counsel. You know, at this point in my daughter's lives now, they're adults I'm predominantly just a counselor in her life. Two of my daughters are married. My third daughter actually just got engaged about, about a week and a half ago. So once they're married, I'm not supposed to have control anymore. I'm supposed to let them and their husbands have complete control with their lives. They're adults. They've become independent. And now I'm just a counselor in their life. So it's like life swings from one end to another. starts out with total control. You end up as a parent just being a good counselor in their life to help them, give them advice once in a while. But you can't control them anymore when they become adults. You're not supposed to control them. In fact, that's a part of the accountability one of the things honestly that goes along with the privilege of making your own decisions is also the responsibility for your own decisions, right you know so there are many times when I would you know jokingly say to my daughters listen i 'm just trying to help you, but I promise you as soon as you turn eighteen, i 'll let you get arrested Now there was nothing they were doing that they deserved to get arrested for. My, my daughters thankfully loved the Lord and were, were, you know, very faithful to serve Him and thankfully didn't, you know, derail in any way morally or spiritually. They, they walked with the Lord as they are to this day. But I wanted them to understand that reality. Look, I'm not trying to control your life or make your life miserable. I'm trying to help prepare you because as you've gotten older and older, I'm controlling what you're doing less and I'm kind of offering you counsel now and saying, okay, here's my counsel, but you're getting a little bit older. I'm going to let you make that decision there. I'm going to give you the freedom to make that decision, but you're going to be accountable for that decision and you're going to have to bear the weight of that. But what I did expect from them as that process unfolded in their life was at least the fact that they recognized that as they were still under my roof and I was still paying for the food in the refrigerator and keeping the lights on and paying for the mortgage and taking care of them, that until they were able to do that independently, what they at least owed to me was respect. That makes sense? And I just want to encourage you guys. It's a challenging process. And I think all the more, it's probably more challenging as men because as men, by nature, you're decision makers. By men, you're more naturally inclined to become independent. But I just want to encourage you, until the day you transition fully out the door and you're paying the bills and you're taking full responsibility To put your own food in the fridge and to set up your own independent household. As you still live under your parents' roof, God's word to you would be still show respect. Continue to honor your parents, honor the authority that they have. It's their household. And the more you honor and respect your parents, even if it's challenging to, I tell you guys, life will go way better. God will bless that and he'll bless you for doing that. So we should show honor to our parents. third area God teaches that we should show respect or honor is to those who are older, or we might say those who are elderly. Leviticus 19.32, great verse. It says this, Leviticus 19.32 in your notes, stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly. That's just good counsel there. We live in a generation where a lot of people are very disrespectful, and we live in kind of a a society where, where people see certain people as expendable. That's why people... Many, many sadly are deceived into entering into aborting pregnancies because they disregard the value of life, right? And that's a tragedy. Well, it's just as bad when we disregard the value of somebody's life just because they become aged and elderly. When somebody's got a gray head and they're elderly and they're older and in a stage of life where they need a little bit more assistance, God says, look, they deserve respect because of the years they've logged. And so again... How that plays itself out when you're with those who are elderly or aged, show them an additional degree of respect and honor. A fourth area the Bible says that we should show honor is, is toward widows. And I don't believe I put the, any verses in your notes there, but First Timothy chapter 5 is a chapter, specifically a whole chapter in the Bible, that tells us that we should honor widows. And, and think about what that conveys, honoring widows, because who are widows? there are those typically right who've lost their husbands and are in a hard spot in their life they're in a vulnerable place things are more difficult for them you know just last night we had a, a brother in our in our fellowship who just passed away in his mid-40s got two small kids still and you know young kids yet not adults you know and one teenager one in grammar school um, and was over the wife's house last night with a few people and again just heartbreaking Right, I mean, a heartbreak. All of a sudden, now she's widowed in her mid forties, and has to figure out how to adjust and keep navigating life. And again, people like that, God says they they owe a, We owe them a degree of honor. We want to honor them, help them, do what we can. You know, those aged, those who are widows. These are people who are vulnerable, and out of love and respect, we should step up when other people maybe won't, and say, "Hey, I, I need to do what I can to honor and to help that person, and and to see him as a, as a person worthy of honor." Here's a fifth one, and there's a lot of verses put there for you, Romans 13, but yet this is very critical because I mentioned earlier we live in a society where people are becoming extremely, extremely disrespectful towards those who are in law enforcement and who hold civil authority. God's word tells us to show honor and respect to authority that's held by those who are in civil positions of authority, whether that's government officials, certainly our police department Look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 13. Let me read through this set of verses and look what God is clearly saying. Romans 13, it's in your notes. He says, let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority that exists except that which is established by God. So again, the Bible teaches, and we see it all the way from the Old Testament, that because mankind cannot govern themselves... And the reason why we cannot govern ourselves as people is because we're broken and we're sinful. So because of that, God established all the way from the Old Testament the need for a degree of civil authority. And one of the primary purposes of civil authority is to subdue the selfish, evil, sinful tendencies of humanity. Because if mankind had no constraints over them, we would go way more cuckoo Machu than you already see us going in the world. Because we would become barbaric and brutal and everyone would do what's right in their own eyes and we would completely just self-destruct as a people. So God's established these things to subdue the the selfishness and the sinfulness of humanity. Look what he goes on to say, verse 2. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And when we rebel against civil authority... We we you know think that somehow we're entitled to rebel against the police or, or or get rid of you know police departments and and rebel against them. He says here you're actually rebelling against something that God has established for the welfare of humanity. You're not just rebelling against a police department. You're rebelling against what God's established. And he says you're going to bring judgment upon yourself. Verse three: For rulers hold no terror for those who do what's right. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, then be afraid for rulers. Don't bear the sword. The idea is they don't have a weapon for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, as much as I don't like to, but the Bible says this is why we pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants to give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. Here's that that section again. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So notice, God's word clearly tells us, guys, that... Authority, civil authority, police officers, police departments, they exist, it's very clear in the word of God, because God established such, and it says, to punish or to subdue those who are doing what is wrong. And he says, look, do you not want to be intimidated or fearful or concerned about anything that the police department could do to you as a person? The Bible just says, don't do what's wrong. Just do what's right. right. I can tell you this. If you obey the law and if you just do what is right in society, you are not going to deal with issues with the police department. And I can say that with a degree of credibility. I'm not a police officer, but I spent six years serving as a police chaplain with a city police department when I was pastoring the church back in Pennsylvania. And I had firsthand experience working side-by-side, side, doing ride-alongs with police officers. I have very good friends who are police officers, even to this day still. I have brothers in the Lord that I'm friends with. We have you know, a handful of guys that are retired police officers in our fellowship right now from Atlantic City Police Department, New Jersey State Police, Ocean City, other police departments, one from Philadelphia served in, you know, in Philadelphia as a police officer. And, and I can tell you, contrary to the wrong ideas that society promotes to want to paint a bad and negative picture of police departments look that is so sad and tragic and is doing nothing good for our society nothing at all good for our society are there bad apples in every bunch of course right i mean this is a christian school with lots of christian staff members and christian teachers but I could venture to say, and though I'm not a prophet, I could venture to say that here and there probably a bad apple comes through the staff of Atlanta Christian School, right? Because you can have a somebody who becomes a bad apple as a school teacher. You can have lots of great attorneys and then have some bad attorneys. You can have great medical doctors and you can have a corrupt medical doctor, right? I mean, you can have somebody bad. So I'm not diminishing that periodically, There may be a police officer here and there that abuses their authority or is just somebody who's not in the right place, right? You can have that in every subculture that exists. I'm a pastor. Is it not true that sadly every once in a while we see in media that some pastor does something immoral, right? Steals money, does something inappropriate with a woman. So in every arena there are bad apples, what we don't want to do is indicate, oh, because just there's this one example or this example, let's inflame that and all of a sudden say, every pastor's corrupt. Let's defund all the pastors. Let's get rid of all the doctors. There's a corrupt doctor. Let's get rid of all the doctors. Oh, there, oh, there's one example. Looks like the police did something bad. We don't need police departments. Do you see the, I'm going to use this word, stupidity of that? You know, I use that word a lot. Yeah, no. it, it's, just, it's just insanity. And so I just want to encourage you guys, as nine young men, as men who are going to live in the culture, recognize what God's word says about authority and respect those in authority. Listen, they wouldn't even have a job if people didn't do what was wrong. (laughs) Seriously. There are times when I would show up together with a police officer to a situation. And I literally would hear police officers say at times, listen, if nobody was doing anything wrong here, we wouldn't even have got called to this address. (laughs) In other words, they're saying, we don't like showing up and having to address situations. If everybody just behaved, we wouldn't even have a job. So the very reason for their existence is because we need them to do what we do. And I'll tell you this, when a crisis happens, all of a sudden you're going to be glad you funded the police. When, when a bad guy is doing something bad, you're going to be really thankful there's somebody who's got a badge and some authority and a gun and enough courage to stop people who are doing wrong and evil and corrupt things for the welfare and safety of you and I and all those who are the innocent victims in those situations. So again, God's word is very, very clear that they exist for a purpose. And we really, guys, we, we should let's be voices and advocates to honor those who are in these kind of places, you know, our police officers, our, our military personnel, people who do these kind of things, this is a noble thing. And it's sad because the, the ideas that are being projected in our culture are going to cause a lot of people, and even I believe young guys like yourself, to not even want to go into those fields. Because they're going to say, I, I don't want to do that now because society hates people like that. Uh, and that's a really, really sad thing because we need people who do those noble things. All right. One other area the Bible teaches before we kind of get to a tie in here to be respectful and considerate is just to be respectful and considerate towards each other. Romans 12, 10. Look what it says there. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. So the Bible teaches that out of love for just each other, that we should seek to honor one another by being devoted to each other. So the idea there is I just picture my mind. You know That you see each other as comrades, uh, and, and that at times you honor one another, and out of brotherly love you're devoted to each other, that if one of you is going through a hard time, that you show due respect to say, hey, that guy's going through a tough time, and, and, and I need to be a friend to him right now, and I need to be a comrade and honor him as a, as a brother. One other area the Bible speaks of showing uh, honor is towards faithful spiritual leaders. So again, our pastors, those who are serving in in ministry, says verse uh, Timothy 5 let elders who rule well, that is those who do what they do well in that area, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and in doctrine. So again, another area where the Bible says like widows, like the aged, like civil authority, police departments, parents. He says our pastors and our ministers uh, in our churches, they deserve honor for what they do in spiritual ministry. And and then here's kind of the final area that I want to kind of really tie up together with you guys and hopefully that just kind of really resonates in your mind because I think it's really, really important, and especially the, the stage of life where you guys are at, is that God's word commands us as men to honor our wives and to respect and honor women Just generally, that is that as men, that we would treat ladies with respect, that we would be gentlemen, that we would treat them like a lady, that we would respect their purity, that we'd respect their vulnerability as ladies, that we would never try and manipulate them because they're weaker emotionally or to get something from them. We want to get out of them selfishly, that we would cherish them as special. And show that you care for them through kind acts of servanthood and tender treatment. Ephesians 5 tells us this as husbands and one day I believe obviously many if not all of you guys will be husbands. Ephesians 5 gives us commands of how to care for our wives. It says we're to love them as Christ loves the church but it also says that husbands are to cherish their wives. And the word cherish implies the idea of something that's very valuable or expensive or costly. Let's Pick the idea of, let's say, maybe a priceless uh, piece of art or a vase or something. Maybe something's a very, very expensive, valuable piece of art. If you have something that's a vase and it's very expensive and it's very valuable and special and important, are are you going to use that to go out in the backyard and play football with your son with that that vase and just chuck it around or, you know, kind of just, you want to move it over there, so just give it a shove over the other side of the, would you do that? Why not? You don't want it to break. Yeah, it's priceless. You don't treat a priceless thing. So no, you You don't want to treat a priceless thing. What? With no care. With no care, right? And disrespect. So the Bible says to us as husbands that one of the ways we're to love our wives is we're to cherish them, like that valuable, expensive, important vase that a husband should realize she is special in God's eyes. This is God's daughter, and so therefore. I don't in any way want to treat her in a way that is disrespectful, dishonorable, not just to her earthly father. And Trust me, I had daughters. (laughs) There was no young man that was ever coming into my realm as a father and disrespecting my daughter. It just would have never happened. I'm not real big, but plenty of times I reminded guys that's what they make axes for. I'll chop you down to size. And then when you're down at my size, I'll I'll beat the different daylights out of you. I just it's it, it is what it is. You know. I mean, I I may pray for your resurrection afterwards, but uh, I'm a dad, and 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 that's my daughter, and and, and not just my daughter, but again, and if you th- I, and I'm an evil human father, that's God's daughter. That's God's daughter. So so we want to cherish, ladies, someday when you have a wife, you want to cherish or treat her like that valuable, special, priceless thing where you're tender and you're careful in the way you treat her. 1 Peter 3, 7, I put it in your notes because it's just a great spiritual concept for us as husbands. But this should be something, guys, that's practiced by all men. Consider yourself a husband in training because one day you're going to be 1 Peter 3, 7, tells us that this is how we should relate to ladies, to our wives. Can one of you read that out loud for me? Cole, can you read out loud for us, ni- nice and loud? Yeah, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of, with the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Right, so so look what God conveys here. God says to us as husbands, and let's just use this practically as men because we're husbands in training if we're not husbands yet and we're already relating to ladies around us as you know friend relationships potentially a dating relationship whatever the dynamic may be and i think that we should begin observing what the word of god says in the way that we're relating to them in our attitude and our perspective and the bible says here that we should dwell with them be among them first of all with understanding the idea is that we should seek to try and understand not just women generally, but my wife is someone unique personally beyond that. And out of love for her, my job and my role as a husband, and I tell in premarital counseling guys who are engaged this all the time, I always say, look, y- your wife is not just going to be a woman generally. It's not just about trying to understand women. That, that That's one thing in and of itself that has a degree of complexity because they're not – Men and women are completely different, right? My wife and I are completely different. We have two things in common, Jesus and three children. That's all we have in common. Other than that, we're vastly different, but that's why we work together well for 27 plus years because we're, we're comparable helpers. We work together well. We have complementary strengths and weaknesses, and we're a good partnership together. But I have to realize it's my job to know my wife personally because my wife is not like this lady over here and this lady over here. My wife is who she is, and and she is my lifelong research project. So it's my job to know her so that I can properly love her and relate to her. And guess what that takes? Time. It takes a degree of commitment and dedication. It means I can't be working all day long and then tinkering on a motorcycle the rest of the evening and then going out and golfing and doing that and completely just ignoring my wife. Why bring them a paycheck? I just I, I need to know my wife and to spend time with my wife and understand my wife so that I can love her properly and relate to her properly. And we don't want to neglect that important role of giving time and proper attention. You know, it's, a, it's amazing to me. that The same guys who sadly will like ignore and reject their wives they'll polish their motorcycle for hours and wax their cars i mean it's amazing the dedication that we'll give to things that we think are what worth it it and important right if god blesses you with a lady in your life guys that is the most valuable precious wonderful thing And, and don't dismiss that show incredible honor towards that seek to be an understanding person not just to them as a as a a female, but to understand them as a person so you relate to them properly, you know how they're different than other people. He says, giving honor to the wife, as to the notice, he says in our verse, to the weaker vessel. Again, God's word does not have a problem saying there is a delicateness to a lady that is different from a man. I don't care what kind of nonsense our culture is trying to tell us these days with no gender differences in this and that or whatever. The physical constitution of a genetic female, a lady, is more delicate, fragile, and weaker than a man. Uh, The emotional constitution. My wife emotionally is more delicate and fragile, and it's more difficult for her to bear certain things mentally and emotionally. I'm not talking about smarts. I'm talking about just to bear heavy things, you know, heavy loads. So because of that, I treat my, my wife that way. To me, it's just called, we we would call that being old-fashioned. I don't call it old-fashioned. I call it being biblical. So as a man, I'm not going to expect or ask or want my wife to do things that I should be doing as a man in my masculinity. I want to take care of things. I don't want to make her bear the load of hard work and heavy things in certain ways where I'm I'm looking at saying, you shouldn't have to do that. You're a lady. Let me do that. And even in the way that I treat her, there are times I try and shield my wife and protect my wife in a way where I try and just protect her from heavier things in her life. And as men, I want to encourage you to do that. See ladies in a way where it's not an issue of you're inferior to me, and that's where we're wrong. When we think it's superior and inferior, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches equality. But what the Bible teaches is men are supposed to be leaders, and leaders, as we talked about before, are what? Servants. And so we should be the greatest servant, saying, look, I'm going to bear the heavier load because I want to serve her. She's a lady. I want to treat her properly and shield her from heavier and harder things. And notice again, and perhaps you're thinking, man, that's really intense to say about your daughters. But look what God says at the end of 1 Peter 3, 7. Treat ladies honorably with understanding as a weaker vessel, as heirs of the grace of life. And what is God's caution that what? Your prayers ouch. I don't know about you, but there's nowhere else really in the Bible. God doesn't tell women and he doesn't tell wives, if you treat your husband wrong, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. (laughs) God doesn't tell my wife that. It's nowhere in scripture. But so serious is God about this that he attaches this kind of fearful, sobering caution. God says, if you disregard my concern about treating your wife, treating ladies honorably, respectfully, as a weaker vessel and caring for them in that tender, loving way, then God says, guess what? I'm shutting off the valve. He says that your prayers may not be hindered. And I don't know about you, but the last thing I want is God saying, I'm not going to listen to your prayers right now, Tony. Again, just the way I see that is, again, just like a father with daughters if any one of my son in laws or guys who came through the picture here and there prior to that, or right now my, you know, uh, future son in law who's engaged to my daughter, if they started treating one of my daughters properly, do you think I'd want to be buddy buddy with them? Do you think if they treated my daughter horribly as a father and then said to me, "Hey, by the way, Tony, can I also borrow ten bucks?" Or I mean, you think could you do something to help me out? Are, are, are you kidding me? We're we're not in good relationship right now. The last thing I want to do right now is do something helpful for you or look you in the face or even have anything to do with you because I'm highly upset and offended that you're dishonoring my daughter like that. All right. Well, so take that and let's put that on another level. Every lady and our sisters in Christ, if there are sisters in Christ, what does that also mean? It means that if we're God's son, they're God's what? Daughters. So always remember that guys in regards to how you relate to ladies your whole life long. That is God's daughter. Whether it's your wife someday, whether it's a gal that you may be dating, whether it's ladies that you interact with, always remember they are God's daughters and God is pretty, pretty serious saying, listen, if you don't treat my daughter with due respect properly and honorably, God says there's going to be a big problem between you and I. And I don't know about you, but I don't don't want to be in that relationship with God. I need my prayers answered. I don't want God turning... Uh, you know, kind of a blind eye towards me or being upset with me. So again, I can't emphasize that enough. And I tell you, gentlemen, if you take that Bible truth and you kind of live it out in the way you relate to ladies, you'll be some very wonderful, honorable, noble men. And we need more of them. We really do. You know, it's few and far between. I'm so thankful for the two son-in-laws God's given me and the future son-in-law who God's about to give me with my other daughter. But I tell you, it's tough. It's tough to find guys who love the Lord and are generally honorable and want to honor ladies properly. And again, whatever realm that applies to the way you treat them in regards to their purity, just don't do it, man. Whatever you got to do, don't disregard ladies. Don't disregard women. Don't let yourself get entangled and caught up looking at pornography, which is just disgracing and disregarding a woman as if she's just an object. It's filthy. It's disgusting. And if it's something that begins to take root in your life, I, sh- I-, I ask you, I beg you, you know, talk to me. Talk to someone. Get that stuff out of your life because it will pollute your head and then you're going to just dishonor women the rest of your life because you've got a perverted idea in your head that's been distorted from watching filth like that. So I just strongly encourage you, See God's value of honoring women. And the biggest part of being just honorable, too, is just taking responsibility for your actions. Don't be excuse makers. Honorable guys, just like that Marine motto of the core value, take responsibility for your actions. That's what it means to be a man of honor. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to own up and take responsibility for my actions. That's the most honorable thing that we can ultimately do. Why do you guys close us some in prayer? Somebody go for it. Let's finish out. in this place and meet with Pastor Tony and talk about how it is to... Uh